and welcome back to Cincinnati Zoo Tales. I'm Jenna. And I'm Mark. Thanks to everyone for tuning in for yet another episode. Jenna, I'm really excited. We've got a fun episode today. We're talking about one of our maybe lesser known animals here at the Cincinnati Zoo, but a very charismatic, beautiful animal nonetheless. We're talking about okapis. So we're being joined by Renee Carpenter. Renee is a senior keeper at the Velt. So thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. Excited to talk to you. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I feel like you are the resident okapi expert here and definitely the primary like trainer and you work with them the most, correct? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, I've been, gosh, at the belt with okapi for, uh, well, we didn't have okapi when I first started here, but uh, probably 15 years they've wow. been over at the belt space now. That's cool. I think it's cool yeah. to like kind of specialize. I, I'm always torn between like wanting to know everything about all the animals and then knowing like actually being an expert in one animal um but we want to well, hear expert might be a stretch <laughs> job, but you're you know expert. i know some things you're no. just humble but you're an expert yeah. <laughs> but we'll start off with you actually how did you get into zookeeping did you think you wanted to be a zookeeper from a young age or where did all of that begin oh my gosh uh well if we're gonna go way back um I mean, ever since I was a little kid, I loved animals. I grew up out in the country. Uh, we had a little mini farm, um, so a, a couple um, beef cattle and rabbits and chickens and, and the things. Um, so I always loved animals and uh, was always really interested. I remember going to the library weekly uh, with my family and checking out all the books, all the animals. That's all I wanted. I wanted, and I would wear no clothes unless it had animal something <laughs> on it. It was a necessity. So, yeah, that was definitely always a passion. And then I guess, you know, like with a lot of us that are in this field now, it went different avenues. So as I got older, you know, I was infatuated with big cats. And then, you know, I had the marine biologist phase. Didn't we all? I think yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I thought about it for a hot second, and then I'm like, out on the open ocean, I don't know about my tummy with that. Same here. Uh, so, yeah, and then I think I just kind of circled back with, you know, growing up, and I really liked the cattle and, um, you know, other friends that had livestock and stuff. Um, they're just such sweet animals. Um, so, yeah, I uh, got through high school. Um, I knew I had to get a degree to do what we do. Mm -hmm. um, so I did that and, um, you know, just started started applying everywhere like we, we all do in the very beginning. And um, it's such a, a tough field it to is. get into. Um, so I ended up, you know, going to Virginia for a time and uh, had a great experience down there, free range, uh, hoofstock, you know, a couple hundred acre type um, space and um after that ended up coming here okay. and i've been here gosh going on 20 years wow That's but awesome. you're not from are you from cincinnati no okay no northwest ohio okay um so up around wapakoneta okay Awesome. <laughs> and you do work in the Velt. So you guys have more. We're going to talk about mostly Okapi today, yeah. but you guys do have more than just Okapi. Will you talk about the habitat that you work at and kind of the broader 
sense of the animals you work sure, with? Sure, yeah. So our collection, um, uh, you know, in the time that I've been here has changed a lot. We've mm -hmm. gone through different cycles of things. When I first started, we had a bunch of giant eland, and then we moved into a, like a Sahelo-Sahara situation with like North African uh, themed things, um, like your scimitar horned oryx and uh, things of that nature with a, a, a great conservation value. And then um, where we are presently, uh, we have black rhino, um, Okapi, of course, uh, Eastern Mountain Bongo. Uh, we have the Visian Warty Pigs, which we adopted from <laughs> <laughs> when Wildlife Canyon uh, became Rue Valley. Um, and then our, our zebra, did I say that? No, of course no. you have to have yeah. a zebra. Um, so we have common zebra, common uh, plain zebra, and we've had grevies in the past that went along with that North African theme. Were the giant eland amazing? I remember the first time I ever saw one. I, they were giant, literally. Yeah. Like, biggest. yeah. I mean, a giant eland or derby eland are the largest antelope in the world. So we had, um, yeah, we had 15. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Uh, in the herd when when I started. So I don't know if we were plus or minus that in, in times before that. Um, but, you know, in the Velt, if, if folks have, you know, grown up around here and seen the Velt, it's gone through many transformations yeah. over the years. Um, and so that space over towards uh, uh, Bird Show used to be a wide open space, and you had all these eland, and you had zebra then on the side, and you had different birds mixed in with the eland. But those eland, um, 1,500 Pounds. It's amazing. It's like the you size know, of a giraffe. Yeah. Like that is such massive. A, such a large number of them. And I've worked with common eland as well. Not nearly as impressive, but still uh, pretty big. Um, so now we've kind of, you know, gone into more of um, there, fortunately, isn't a huge conservation issue with giant eland. So we've kind of pivoted um, Okapi, Eastern Mountain Bongo huge conservation mm -hmm. value with those species so I'm happy I'm super happy to be a part of that and that's kind of like my primary focus is with the Okapi in the Eastern Mountain Bongo at this point. Awesome so can you describe what Okapi look like for the listeners? <laughs> Not I don't think everyone knows what an Okapi looks like. I don't think so like. either that's what like you hear about people finding out what no copy is, and they think it's like a fake animal. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh goodness, yeah. Uh, being out in habitat, um, doing different things uh, with them, I hear lots of, lots of comments from the public, <laughs> and uh, I mean the gamut of of what folks think that they are, and I can most of the time I can see like okay, I see how you got there. But in all actuality, they're, you know, a, a giraffe. They're like a short jungle giraffe. Mm -hmm. Which know? is so wild, though, because they don't look... I mean, their coloration and everything definitely does not look like a giraffe. Sure. But they are their closest relatives. They are. The only relative. Oh, yeah. well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so um, there's, you know, with antelope and uh, equine, there's, there's tons of different species in those families. And giraffe, they just... They just have two. And uh, historically speaking, uh, Okapi have been around longer than modern-day giraffe. So oh, wow. they're 
they're a pretty ancient species. One of the longest, one of the oldest uh, living terrestrial I didn't know that. Very That's cool. interesting. I feel like when you can most see the resemblances, like if you just look at their head, yes, like their mm -hmm. heads. I think their yep. heads are really similar, in like size and shape. Especially but... if you see a male, mm. you know. So the males have the little ossicones, the little horns that are uh, velvet covered on their heads, like a giraffe. Mm. Uh, the females, they just have little bumps, little hair whirls, little nubs. So, yeah, <laughs> so you can't. But the girls are bigger, which is another oddity of. Huh of them but that is interesting. Uh, I didn't realize mm -hmm. that that is interesting yeah yeah typically the females will outweigh a male by a couple few hundred pounds so how much will you tell everyone how much they usually do weigh um, we have uh, we've been very fortunate here in Cincinnati we have like a crazy awesome bloodline and we um, produce giant okaki. <laughs> so um, there, you know, can be, the range can be anywhere from 500 to upper sevens. Okay. And we're in the upper sevens. Um, awesome. With, with our girls. So, yeah. That's awesome. Will you tell, tell people how many okapi we have here, their names, just a little bit about each one of them? Okay, yeah. Um, so currently on zoo grounds, well, let me start off zoo grounds. So we have we have a pair, um, and they have uh, had four offspring now. Um, so they've been, you know, Okapi are part of SSP, Species Survival Program, uh, since they're an endangered species. And our two have been recommended to... Uh, breed or be partners uh, for a long time now. Mm -hmm. So, um, Caloro, our male, he came to us uh, from White Oak Conservation, um, and he actually currently lives out at our mass farm property. Um, they are very solitary animals, so actually it has worked out great for everyone concerned. Um, he has his time out there at the farm doing his man thing. <laughs> um, and, you know, he comes to the city for a good time occasionally. Uh, <laughs> you know, he hangs out for uh, a couple months and, you Goes know, on a couple dates while but, he's here. You know, yeah. some meet and greets uh, occur and, you know, he goes back out to the farm and lives his best life. Uh, so that's what Caloro does. <laughs> He's got it made. Man. <laughs> he does have it made. Um, and they've got a, a great spot for him out there at Mass Farm. Um, it's not open to the public, so he just does all the Okapi mm. things out there. <laughs> um, and then Kavua, our female, our adult female, it's here on grounds. She was born here. Um, so I've taken care of her since she was born. Uh, she's amazing. 15. Um, yeah, she's 15 now. And then she's got, she's got a new little one, yes. McConzie, and he'll be two months, uh, this Saturday. I was going to say, um, you, his birthday was December 17th. Yeah. Okay. Because when we record these, they don't always come out like right away. Yeah. So this okay. could be like March or so when this comes out, but he might yeah. be like three or four months um, old, but he was born in December. Um, so, okay, you mentioned we have an adult male, an adult female, and now we have a calf, McConzie, mm -hmm. and um, we kind of mentioned what they look like, but we we got off track. They have stripes on their rear end that almost resemble like a zebra stripe mm -hmm. in a way, so I think that's what kind of confuses mm -hmm. people because 
giraffe. Yeah, I guess because it's black and white. Yes. Yeah. Like it's a zebra. Right. But then, would you describe their color as like a deep, like what's a beautiful chestnut? Chestnut. Okay. That's the best description I've heard. Chestnut. Yes, a beautiful chestnut for the ladies. Okay. Um, and the boys are a deeper color, so almost into black. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and I feel like they have a velvety look and feel, correct? Absolutely. Yeah. So they feel like oily velvet. Yes. Yeah. So if you rub on an okapi, which I often do on a (laughs) daily basis, um, just for fun, um, you know, you'll get, your hands will be covered in this oil. I mean, sometimes I condition my leather gloves. And, <laughs> you know, it's fine. Um, she enjoys it. You know, I get a benefit. It's, it's all good. Um, but, yeah, they uh, they are, I guess, an odd-looking animal. They're gorgeous, though. Yes, they're they are the gorgeous. They're the supermodels of the hoofstock world. They are. Right. They really are gorgeous. The coloration, they've got those long legs. They're beautiful. Yes. What, what do you think is like the most common? You say you hear a lot of comments from guests, like mistaking an copy from something else. I'm just curious. What is the most common mistake you hear? Oh, well, I mean, they think it's some sort of zebra. Okay. I mean, that's definitely the most common just because of the striped tiny. Yeah. And, the, and then we'll talk about, well, you know, lots of animals have stripes, the bongo that are right mm-hmm. next door, um, neighbors to the okapi. Uh, they have stripes, tigers have stripes, zebras have stripes, you know, just all for the uh, camouflage in different ways. Right, in different reasons than zebra, but will you describe like where okapi come from and how this coloration in those stripes kind of might make sense? Yeah, so okapi, they're a very specialized um, animal and they come from the heart of Africa. So uh, they are only found in the DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo, and within that, only in the Aturi Forest, mm. which is kind of like in the northeastern part of is the Is that Congo. how it's always been, or is it just because of habitat loss? loss? Um, I don't know that for sure, um, but any historical... Uh, you know, guesses are, are pretty much that's wow. where they're from. They're okay. just a really specialized animal. Mm-hmm. So it's um, it's just super, super dense jungle, which being a part of the giraffe family, obviously you can't be big and tall and huge and get through super dense jungle. And that goes back to the coloration. So, you know, where they come from, it's so dense. Like, it's hard to imagine. And I've not been there before, but it's hard to imagine. It's so densely uh, covered that it's dark during the day Wow! in most places. Unless you come to a clearing that an elephant has helped uh, keep open or something like that. Um, But they spend all their time, you know, pretty much in that super dense jungle. You have the dappling of the light coming through that complete cover canopy, Um, which, you know, if you watch... Uh, camera trap footage, which Okapi Conservation Project um, has some of that now. If it were in black and white, I mean, and they don't move, they almost disappear. Wow. Mm. Um, I want to look that yeah, up. Yeah, because it's so dark at the forest floor where they're at. Yeah. Mm. I wanted to hear more about um, their maybe their personalities and tell us, you know, kind okay. of 
like what the baby's like, what Kavua is like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I mean, they've, gosh, they've, they've all been different. So, Caloro, you know, he's, he's the strong manly type, okay. you know. Um, <laughs> when he first came to us from White Oak, he was, he was young. He was only about two years old or two and a half, something like that. Um, and, uh, but eventually we won him over, you know. They have, um, it's a little bit different situation down there. They're out on acreage and um, so managed a little bit differently. And um, so he came to learn how nice it is to get scratches uh -huh. and, and all the things. So A little more hands-on here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but awesome management both ways, just different. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so he's, he, yeah, he's the strong manly type. Um, <laughs> he gets that, you know, Muppet, strong Muppet face uh, from time <laughs> to time um, and a little bit stronger willed. And then uh, Kavua, you know, she was born here. Uh, like I said, I've worked with her since she was born. Um, so super tractable. Uh, although, you know, back then we didn't do near what we do now mm -hmm. uh, with our collection. So as far as like um, operant conditioning and, um, you know, training for certain behaviors, just take really good care of them. So some of those things started later on. Um, but she's she's been a willing participant. She enjoys her treats very, very much. Um, and she seems to enjoy, I like to think that she enjoys our cuddle time. Yeah, yeah, yeah um, she does. I know I do. Yes. Uh, but, she, you know, she'll lean into those scratches. So I feel like it's reciprocated. Um, so yeah. I'm sure she could tell you if she didn't like it. Yeah. She's about 700 yeah, pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they definitely have their ways of that. Now, this kiddo, uh, so he's just coming in to be in two months. So after two and a half or so months, they, um, they stop nesting. And I'm going to get into a whole different uh, zone of conversation here with that. But um, so right now we're just like sharing some space, um, you know, making eye contact, He's deciding, like, what are you? What is your purpose here? That's so interesting. <laughs> so even though his mother is really tractable, he's still kind of, like, weary of you. Oh, sure. Okay. Sure. Yeah, he, you know, and I'll stand with her and be rubbing on mm -hmm. her, and, and he's like, what are you doing? Uh, how are you a benefit to me yes, in yeah. this <laughs> point of time? And the answer, I'm not. Yeah. Uh, so he's not on solids. He's not uh, wanting scratches. He gets all the attention he needs from mom and gets all the milk he needs. <laughs> so, and then he goes and he sits in his nest all day long. So you said nesting. I never would have thought of that as a word for an antelope or like, not an antelope, but like a draft species. Like, yeah. so is it basically the mothers would kind of leave and forage throughout the day and the babies would nest or? Be yeah, exactly. Like, um, to like a compare it, uh, yeah, to okay. compare it a little bit to deer, you know, uh, sometimes people come across little fawns and they're like, oh my gosh, where's your mom? Um, but it's okay, leave it alone. Mm -hmm. um, so same thing with Okapi, in case you come across one. Um, <laughs> if you're in the just, GRC. You know, just leave it be, yes. it's fine. Um, so, but they're heavy nesters, so they don't build a nest like a bird, right? Um, I actually built it for him uh, in a corner that's secluded from other things. So that's just their... Um, 
one of their like major defense mechanisms. Mm-hmm. So a uh, kiddo will go and stay in the quote-unquote nest, um, just a space that he stays in. Uh, mom's milk is 100% absorbable for the first wow. couple months, so they don't defecate. Wow. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's incredible. Are there any other animals that do that? I don't know. I've Not never heard of that. That I know of. That wow. is incredible. That is so, you know, we're, we're waiting with bated breath for that. Oh my first gosh, yes. that's crazy. Um, yeah, so, and then after, after they do that, then they start moving around, following mom more, and then we can start developing our relationship a little bit more. But right now, he just wants to, he does what he's supposed to do. Okay. He nests tight. Uh, I've had calves of hers in previous years that did not. They were like, no. I don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just go do things. Yeah. Uh, but this guy, he's following all the rules. He's staying in his nest, uh, which makes it, by the way, really difficult for our photographers oh, and uh, that other makes people. Sense. Yeah. Because it's, it's super secluded and perfect mm-hmm. for Okapi. Yes. Not so perfect for social media. Right. <laughs> but, you know, that's okay. We'll see more yeah. of him soon, I'm it's, sure. It's a good trade-off. Yeah. So, yeah, he just, he just kind of hangs back there. Mom goes and does her thing. Um, they typically come together, uh, you know, a couple times a day. And she'll, uh, you know, from what re- research says, um, I don't know because I can't hear it, but they speak to each other infrasonically. So some other animals wow. can do that too, but that's below what we can hear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's also below what leopards can hear, which is oh. their only natural predator. So, again, by design, uh you know, one of those wow. defense mechanisms. Yeah, that's an incredible adaptation. Did you know adaptation. all this? I'm, like, blown away by how much I didn't know I've heard about, about the communication before. I've mm-hmm. heard that they can communicate below a frequency um, that we can hear. That's wild. Okay, can you imagine being, like, the first, like, zookeeper that has always hoped... When a baby's born, you usually, like, look for urination and defecation yeah. and, like, to show signs <laughs> right, right. of that they're healthy and stuff. Like, there was imagine, definitely like, a learning curve for I'm a copy. Sure. Yes, um, there had to have yeah. been. Yep, yep. This goes for a lot of animals, but I'm also just always, like, the fact that non-human or primate babies will just sit and, like, wait for their mom to come back, and the moms can just go off and trust that they're not going to get themselves hurt. She doesn't even do that. The best Okapi mom cares not. (laughs) (laughs) So, meaning, I mean, you know... I don't really mean like she she do, they do what they're supposed to do uh-huh. by design yeah. for their own good and best welfare. So she will call him away from the nest to her. Oh. So because we're not going to reveal where, where that space is. is oh, right? Wow. Okay. Yeah. So he's gonna you know he'll hear mom and infrasonic vocalizations travel farther. Than okay. the frequencies that we can hear. So I don't, I mean, I've never been hanging out in the Congo and seeing this uh, go down, but I assume, you know, there's a little bit of a distance there. Yeah. Because she's not going to want to give away the location exactly. That's, That's pretty incredible. incredible. Yeah. Jenna, try that at home with <laughs> right? just, just <laughs> leave him for like, six hours. Okay, I can't <laughs> leave him if the room's quiet next to me for three minutes. I'm like, what's he doing? And then he's like entertaining himself. I'm like, oh, I just sneak out so he continues doing that. Or, you know, like these moms, they just leave and the baby's <laughs> doing exactly. She'll go off for hours and, and do her thing. And then, you know, she'll, they'll come together. Sometimes I'll hear her chuffing. Um, they do have 
vocalizations that we can hear. Mm -hmm. And like I mentioned, a chuff. And um, sometimes she'll be doing that. And then he's like, oh, okay. So I know that she was talking to him because he ended up... But she out. didn't necessarily need to hide it because she didn't feel like sure. there was anything to hide. That's yeah. very cool. I don't know. Maybe someday it would be, I'm sure there's technology yeah. available that we could record. That'd be so yeah, cool. That'd be interesting. Yes. I think a long time ago there was a lady that came in when we had Sumatran rhinos, actually. I'm just remembering this. And she did some recordings um, at some different frequencies. But I'm sure by now, that was many years ago. There's um, gotta be. Yeah, it would be really cool. Like, how much do they talk to each other? Yeah. How often? Yeah, that'd be great information to get. Is Kavua, is she comfortable with you all, like, sharing space with the calf right now? Or is she mm-hmm. protective of the calf space? No, she's not. Um, uh, she's not protective of of that. Uh, I, Again, I think we have a pretty good relationship. Mm-hmm. Um in a in a good bond and you know she's like oh you're scratching me and giving me food or just hanging out okay like she has such a good positive association with her Mm -hmm. keeper staff that i've not had any issues i mean you always want to be really careful in the beginning because who knows maybe from this calf to the next calf she may change her mind how Mm -hmm. she feels about a situation so you always kind of want to because they are wild animals and you just you just never know and uh, be really respectful of that and their uh, what they need um but just slowly kind of going in there and and reading her behavior which um I don't have it completely down because being completely in the mind of an okapi I think will always uh, elude me um <laughs> uh, you know completely but um uh, most of the time, I, th- I think I have a good idea how she's feeling about a certain situation. And she's she's been fine with it. Him, not so much yet. But I'm going to win him <laughs> yes, over. Yes, give him time. Everyone since, you know, her included and, and the, the previous little ones, you know, we get there eventually. Yes. <laughs> Can you tell us what they eat? Um, and is that what they'll be doing most of the day is going off and foraging? Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, uh, you know here at the at the zoo or in the Congo um they would be just all day walking and munching walking mm-hmm. and munching that's what they do um so if you are out front and um looking at the habitat you'll see the little uh lanes huh. you know she has her little lanes that that they go and um that's what they would do in the wild as well and so here uh, they eat a high-quality alfalfa, which is a legume, um, not a grass hay. Uh, as much browse as we can possibly do, and our browse program is growing exponentially and yeah. getting better and better every year. Um, so we offer frozen browse that we've stored, and also um, to supplement, we, we uh, get fresh browse from Florida um, on a weekly basis. So, um, yeah, sure munch on that stuff all day other concentrates you know grain just to make sure that um, they have a complete diet we have a of course a nutritionist mm-hmm. um on the payroll and she makes sure that those diets are complete and everything they need plus yeah. you know a few treats to, <laughs> <laughs> to build that relationship yeah right? exactly do the okapi have any brows that specifically are their favorites that you can tell or any that they dislike i'm always curious when we give we give the giraffe a lot of brows as well i'm always curious to see what the giraffe do and don't like oh yeah so they definitely have their preferences and their individual preferences so coloro 
um, and other calves in the past and Kavua, they have liked or disliked different things. Um, the same with the produce. They have likes and dislikes that are very individual to them. And, and just figuring that out and the best motivators. Like, you know, maybe you like Reese Cups and you like M&M's. Mm-hmm. Guilty mm-hmm. as charged. <laughs> <laughs> Both good, but one's a little better sure. in your opinion. Yeah. Um, so here talking about their favorite brows. Do they have any favorites that... Like, oh, yeah, you know, they like or don't yeah, like. so, um, and uh, actually, we're tracking all that right now. So, uh, we have a new browse coordinator, which is super awesome, um, and it's gonna grow our program even more. Um, so we've been notating all these things to make sure that species and individuals are getting all the best things that they like, um, and using the browse in the best ways all across the zoo. Um, so Kavua, her favorite, probably with the Florida brows, the fresh stuff would be, uh, it's a type of ficus and it's, uh, called elastica. Oh yeah. The giraffe like the elastica as well. Yeah. 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 That's probably her favorite. Um, yeah, there's a couple different ficus varieties that she really likes. Um, and then the, the frozen Brows, she really loves hackberry. Okay, that's a. I think that's a popular mm-hmm. one around here too. Yeah, and mulberry. Yeah, yeah, mulberry not so much. Really, okay. what her deal is with mulberry lately? But <laughs> the bongo love it, so nothing goes to waste. And yes. then the rhinos eat all the sticks that are left. So <laughs> perfect, you know. <laughs> no waste around here. No. You said the calf isn't eating any solids yet. About when will that happen? Do you know? Uh, yeah, well, he'll start to do that here soon. So we so we got to have that first poop. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right? So um, yeah, you don't want to pack too many things in there. <laughs> <laughs> Just milk right now. <laughs> milk, and I know, I mean, he may, be, he may be getting little bits of things. I mean, I know he is. Uh, but actively eating things, it's going to be another month. Um, do you know how long they typically nurse? Mm, sometimes as long as you allow them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As, long as, 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 as long as they have access. So yeah. it just kind of okay. depends on what your plan is. So since they're um, a species that has a, a SSP, um, you know, he will probably have a recommendation to go elsewhere into a breeding program. Um, so we'll just have to see what that looks like to have the best welfare for mom and calf in that weaning period Mm. and how soon he will go to uh, another zoo and be a part of their program and what the social structure looks there. So there's a lot that goes into kind of deciding when Mm -hmm. and how to do that. Do you know in the wild what they would normally do? Like they're solitary animals. So do you know how, or how long the calf would typically stay with their mother? Um, I mean, not more than a year. Okay. And it may be loosely around after uh, nine months. Okay. Or, you know, so there's, there are, there is research in that area, but they are such a tough species. I was wondering, and yeah. And they are so solitary and they're in the DRC. Yeah. It's a very difficult place to um, do any research. Right. Yeah. Historically, it's been a super war-torn, um, uh, you know, just difficult to navigate. Mm-hmm. I yeah. mean, you have two rainy seasons, and, you know, it 
it's like, how does anything travel through these right. forests? And certainly not a, you know, little and that person. goes on to another question <laughs> I was wondering. Do you know or do they know, researchers know numbers? Like how many are left in the wild? They're all over the place. I was going to say, it, it has to be hard to know, right? Yeah, estimates are all over the place. Um, we do know that numbers are going down. Okay. For, the, for the places that can be... Um, you know, uh, researched and there are, uh, patrols, um, and where they do put the camera traps. Yeah. The, the patrol guards would check those and go through, um, you know, the different protected areas. So, Mm -hmm. you know, that's where they're going to loosely get some numbers, but you know, more broad than that, it's, it's kind of a guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What are like the low estimate guesses? Do you know? Um, in, in the upper single thousands. Okay. So yeah. Less than 10,000. Yeah. yeah. And they are listed as endangered, correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so I know that you do a lot of training here with them. Can you tell us what you're doing and how it's helpful for them? I think it's come like, I don't know about for you specifically, but like giraffe training has come a long way just in the last 10 years that I've, Mm -hmm. you know, been here. So I don't know if you've always done Okapi training the last 15 years or so that you've been working with them. Yeah, so not that whole time. So, um, you know, training and um, conditioning for certain behaviors has definitely been an evolution in in zoos and how we manage um, all the different species of animals. So uh, it feels like hoofstock um, or ungulates, uh, things with hooves, um, have been... Uh, a newer addition um, to that space. So when I first started, uh, you know, almost 20 years ago, that just wasn't a thing. Like, we mm-hmm. didn't... Uh, Okapi were kind of treated like glass. Um, you didn't look at them wrong or, you know, talk too loudly around them or, you know, anything. So it, it's, um, it's definitely been uh, an evolution to get to where we are now. So we've gone from that style of management um, into a more active management, individual management, uh, to be able to take super good care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so to be able to do those basic things like um, get uh, blood, you know, voluntary blood draws. So. Uh, so necessary. Like, it yeah. makes it so helpful if you don't have to anesthetize an animal to get blood on them. Yeah, I mean, we have we go to the doctor every year right. and get our numbers checked mm-hmm. and make sure we're, you know, where we need to be. So why shouldn't we be doing that for all of our animals? So it's, it's really exciting that um, we're to that point now and, um, you know, and voluntary as yeah, well. that's amazing. You know, so not uh, needing to go through something that uh, might be stressful to something, well, here's lots of treats. And by the way, that's a little poke and thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> do you do your blood draws from the neck? We do. Okay. Uh, so yeah, from the, from the jugular um, vein and yeah, we've, it's, it's, it's been great and you can get um, so much information right. uh, and to know how their, their health is. Um, something else super important for anything that has hooves is taking care of those hooves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, um, that again has been a huge evolution from, okay, well, it is what it is 
to we're actively managing their feet. We know what to look for. Um, you know, a couple of us have been through uh, training that's specific to that um, and, and now have that skill set and are able to read the tissue of these animals and be able to trim them appropriately that, um, you know, they're not going to have issues, not going to have uh, not just issues with their feet, but, um, you know, up the leg, you know, into all the different joints. Um, that's going to give them longevity. Um, do you guys do x-rays with them? We haven't yet. Okay. So as the evolution continues, yes. um, just talking to vet staff about that recently, okay. actually. Um, so I know they can give a lot of information. Yeah, so feet. giraffe has been, uh, Teresa over there has been doing amazing work with mm -hmm. the giraffe herd um, and all you guys. And so we're going to we're going to go that route okay. too. Uh, we haven't seen any issues with them, but just having the information, she, you know, uh, our adult female is super tractable as we talked about before. So why not yeah. get more information, mm -hmm. see if there are any bony changes. Um, or, you know, sometimes that can give you information that you do your trim differently. Right. Oh. Um, so, you know, you don't want to, uh, trim, the sole too shallow in a spot if there's any kind of rotation or, or things like that. So we can, the more information, the better to uh, allow us to take better care of them. Yeah, it's always good to have that kind of information and data available while an animal is healthy and doing fine. And then maybe down the road, if she does start to have issues, you can compare the images from then to what we have now. Exactly. Yeah, that's always useful. What are their favorite treats that they're getting during these training sessions? Like, what do you tempt them during their blood draw? Okay, so I use different things for different behaviors. Okay. Um, oh, not different individuals, different behaviors. Yeah, okay. and individuals. So, you know, it's very tailored. <laughs> um, they all have their things. <laughs> so uh, with Kavua, uh, specifically, uh, for blood draw training, a little bit of produce. So what she enjoys, because we've gone through uh, food trials, and you have to do it every once in a while because your tastes change yeah. as yeah. you get older, as I maybe know. Um, <laughs> so, you know, we've done, right now she likes um, uh, yellow squash. Okay. Uh, she likes sweet potato, uh, carrot, and she just loves greens. But I can't use those for blood. Training. Why not? Not the greens. She spits them out. I don't know. So I don't. <laughs> well, I thought you were going to say like, oh, the way I she eats out of a bucket or out of my hand or something. No, no it's just that interesting. No, she just. <laughs> oh, and then I have to add in some uh, banana cookies. So it's just a little biscuit um, that's formulated for herbivores, it's for leaf-eating animals, and it has a banana flavor, maybe a little sweet, and our nutritionist says it's okay. <laughs> uh, so we add a little bit of that in there, um, just to sweeten the deal, uh, legit. Um, and then, you know, that's what does it for her. That's what keeps her. Attention. I think it's interesting. You are, like, 
right there next to her. There isn't a barrier between her when you're doing your training, right? With the right. giraffe, we have to be careful. And while we don't think they would want to hurt us on purpose, they are gigantic and can sure. kick extremely hard and kill a lion with their kick. But um, like you have a really strong relationship and you're able to go in and work with her. Just kind of like I'm sure farriers do with horses. People could imagine it's similar to that. You can go in and pick up her legs and look at her hooves and work mm -hmm. on them right next to her. Which yeah, absolutely. Really neat. The blood drill training is, uh, you know, in with her mm -hmm. as well. There's no barriers during that. I mean, she is over 700 yeah, pounds. So, yeah. I mean, she, you know, there's always that risk mm -hmm. that you accept. And, uh, but uh, also working with her for so long and picking up on the cues and it's like, you know, she's not, and there's been days, mm -hmm. she's not feeling this today. Yeah. This isn't she's happening. Leave her alone today. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, you know, mama has her ways and, and that's fine. Yeah. And she, you know, calls the shots. So, but for the most part, no, no issues. Um, yeah, she just really loves her, her treats. I have to put some things in her little trough to slow her down. Okay. Kind of like what you would do at home with dogs that eat too fast. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Gobble it up and you have to give them those little puzzle. Like slow yeah, feeder like slow type. Yeah. 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 Yep. I have to do that with her too. <laughs> it's more in the form of wiffle balls. Okay. And yeah. <laughs> it just works around them. Yeah, yeah. exactly. The slower down a bit. Um, and then, uh, so that's for blood draw training. And then um, for uh, hoof work. Uh, she's still eating out of her trough and everything, but she likes, then she likes the greens. We can do the greens so and uh, the produce that I mentioned, and then we top it off with some peanuts. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, shell on. Okay, so, good to know. Yeah. That's so funny that she <laughs> has different, <laughs> different things, like, for each behavior. That's awesome. She does. She does. And yeah. the fact that you guys are able to share space with, like you said, a 700-pound animal, like, that's such a credit to you and your team and the work you've done throughout the years on building that relationship and establishing mm -hmm. the program. Because, like Jenna had kind of mentioned, like, it's insane to me that this wasn't really a thing 10 or 12 years ago even. This hoof work especially has been... Mm -hmm really prominent the last few years so props to you guys I just want to give you a shout out for no, that thanks. that's amazing yes. yeah yeah we have a great team now with one of our vets being uh through the training too has just been a great support and mm -hmm. uh Teresa up at uh, giraffe mm -hmm. uh, she does awesome work up there uh with the giraffe herd so yeah it, it's super cool and having that little little group little hoofers yeah, you know, I and, think she uh, just left to go work with some goats too. <laughs> no. So I had oh, to not, not overlook yes. you. Oh no, we're so sorry. I, I had to not us. join in the goat fun oh, to no. come here today, but that's okay. <laughs> but we feel extra lucky. I hope yes. all you listeners feel extra lucky too, because we're taking away from goat time from Renee. <laughs> this is really a zen moment. But it is cool. You guys are like basically a hoof care team here at the zoo that can help out with any mm -hmm. issues around the zoo that. Of animals that have hooves. Yeah. So. One thing we haven't touched on with the Okapi yet that I did want to hear about was any enrichment that they do. Like what the enrichment program kind of looks like for them. If they have any favorite items. It sounds like each individual is so different. Each mm -hmm. individual probably has some preferences for enrichment as well. Browse, browse, and more browse. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> is definitely the way to go. So um, I try really hard uh, with them to, in, in everything that we care for, uh, looking at the natural history mm. of each species, so it can it can look very different. And like you said, it can be different for individual once we've kind of looked at those things. So these guys, what they need and want to do is move 
and browse. So we're taking steps and we're taking a leaf. And we're taking steps and we're taking a leap. So um, we can't always fulfill every, you know, 100% of that need with the brows that we have on hand. Someday maybe we'll get there. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, nutritionally, they're awesome. They're doing great, all that. We're meeting all those needs. But the behavioral need is what we want to meet with mm -hmm. that enrichment piece. So, super weird. You might see if you go past the habitat, and there's tons of these inside the barn, um, freezer flaps. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So it was just uh, accidental, really, uh, how that came about. Um, you know, you put freezer flaps in doorways to keep the cool out or the heat out mm -hmm. or whatever, or heat in. Um, so she seemed to really like them. Uh Okapi are very orally fixated. Okay. Um, so if she doesn't have, like, it... So even if she has plenty of brows to choose from, she still enjoys these freezer flaps. <laughs> so what she'll do, she just... Um, they're like little curtains that we've made, and they hang down, sort of like branches. And she just likes to chew on them. Well, from what I know about giraffe is they have to produce enough saliva to help break down all of their food, and mm -hmm. Okapi are related mm -hmm. to giraffe, mm -hmm. and she's eating the same thing, so mm -hmm. and maybe it's just helping her with digestion. Sure. Or she <laughs> just likes something <laughs> yeah. all the time. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously she doesn't ingest these right. things. That wouldn't be safe. Um, but it's, it's just one of those things that meets that need, that mm -hmm. behavioral need, and um, she just really enjoys having that at her disposal at all times. And like I said, even when she has plenty of brows and other food items, um, she still enjoys these freezer flaps. There's usually no, like, scent or flavorings or anything like that on them. She just, you know, I kind of liken it to, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I kind of liken it to an ex-smoker. Okay. I don't know. You know, you have that oral fixation. You yeah. gotta, oh, like, yeah. okay, I need a hard candy or I need, you know, to twirl a pencil in, in my hand or whatever. So, I don't know. <laughs> Everybody yeah. has their advice, yeah, you know. Definitely. For a copy, it's freezer <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny because I always kind of thought they must have been there for the sensation of feeling, like, in the jungle, like, covered, and, you know, like, more... Secondary. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Secondary. Like for a hide almost. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't describing what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> was there anything else we missed about Okapi that you want to make sure everyone knows or even about these individuals? Well, I don't know. They're like the best hoofer <laughs> out there. Um, so if you don't know what awesome. they look like, I think everyone should look it up. Yeah. And when can, when can visitors who come to the zoo expect to potentially see the new calf out on habitat? Mm -hmm. Yeah, McConsey should, um, he'll at least start having access, you know, once we get into the spring, we have okay. some stable weather and, um, you know, a lot of hoofstock, including Okapi, for the first few months of their life, they can't thermoregulate, so they can't control their own body temperature, mm -hmm. so they're like a reptile, you know. Mm -hmm. Um so if they were exposed to cooler temperatures, then that could be a negative thing. So we don't do that. Um, so we know people really want to see these cute little ones and uh, see them out there running around. But we'll wait for, you know, some nice uh, 70s 
um, to be pretty consistent. Okay. So it's pretty warm. There. Yeah. 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 And then, uh, and as he ages, you know, we can um, have a little bit different uh, temperature restraints. For her, I mean, she's getting out most days. Um, so since they nest, yeah, he just so stays well, in. he stays in there, and then mom can go out That's and play nice. and do her thing, and um, you know all the stuff that she needs to do, and uh, you know kind of like her alone time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then she can come back in and be check a, on the baby and yeah, see how it's super good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so she can she'll see her out there at fifty. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. Awesome springtime! I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait to go over and see that baby out on habitat. Yes. it's always fun. Renee, I do have some trivia for you. Oh no! If you're up for it, <laughs> some more coffee trivia. Do I have a choice? <laughs> it's a pretty quick one today. It's three questions, and actually, two of these questions were already answered. Oh dear! Now it's discussion. on me. Did I? Oh, so pressure, now it's pressure. how much? How well did Jenna pay attention? <laughs> we're about to find out. This first question we already answered, and I like triple checked this when I was doing research because I was like, "This can't be true." I just refuse to believe it. So I'm so glad that you, <laughs> you also. I think I know where we're going here. How long until a newborn okapi defecates? About two and a half months. Yeah, two to three months. Two to three yeah, months. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anywhere between like six to ten weeks is wow. what I found. That's so like, crazy. that is just like. It doesn't make sense to me how the baby is just nursing, 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 and doesn't defecate for All by two months. Design <laughs> absorbed completely. Of course, he urinates. Yeah. You know, um, but yeah, it, it 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 sits there for a while, and it's super weird when it comes out. Yeah, but come on, they've been backed up for <laughs> defecating two months. Yeah, and like Renee mentioned earlier, that's to try and help the calf stay undetected by predators, right? Exactly. So that there's nothing coming yeah. around sniffing. Yep. You said leopards would be probably their biggest predator in the wild. Yeah, uh, only natural predators. Okay. Wow. Yeah, leopards and unfortunately probably humans too, but we know how that goes, unfortunately. All right, question number two. True or false here? Male and female mm-hmm. copies both have ossicones. False. False. You got it. <laughs> False. Just the males. Just the males, which is mm. different than giraffes. In giraffes, we're used to seeing the males and the females with ossicones. Renee, I was curious, did, do you know if there's a reason? I couldn't find anything in my research, like a potential reason behind that scientifically. I have no idea. I mean, I would just, I don't know for sure. My assumption would be just, you know, again, by design. And males going to want to fight for those ladies. Yeah. And uh, they're... Few and far between. Do you got to go out and find them. Do copies just like giraffes? Do they do go through like the necking behavior where they'll kind of headbutt each other? Do males do that? Yeah. Okay. It, it, it can be very similar, just okay. on a you know a smaller version. Yeah, like half the size of the neck, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jungle version. Yeah. All right, we're two for two here. We're All looking right. strong right now. <laughs> yes. Good job. <laughs> Question number three, last one here. So our copies were obviously always known by the, the native people of Africa and some of the indigenous people, but when were Okapis discovered by Western society, by Europeans? Do you know what year it was when Europeans discovered Okapis? No, and you know I can't Jenna do loves years. years. <laughs> I'm always off by like four million years. <laughs> wow. It wasn't four million years ago, Jenna. 1897. 1897. Renee? So I'm not sure what you have officially, 
on there. I've got two different numbers, actually. Mm -hmm. I've got two different numbers. Yeah. So, I mean, there was... Uh, so there was, a, there was discovery made, and then, you know, when the official, like, we have a specimen, yeah. all that goes down, and it was named. So uh, you're, I mean, you're right there, <gasps> Yeah. Yeah, first. yeah, you're right there. So you're like literally on the money right in between the two numbers. So they were kind of discovered um, and quote unquote discovered by Europeans mm -hmm. in the 1880s. But a lot of people, 18, 1880, did I say 1980s? No. Whatever I said, it was the 1880s. Said, I mean, years. there was yeah. uh, big hair and uh, <laughs> neon, I don't know. Yeah. In the 1880s. So they were just quote unquote discovered in the 1880s. And a lot of Europeans didn't believe. They were found by Henry Stanley. And people across Europe didn't believe him. They thought he made this animal up. It was too wild. It couldn't have been real. So in 1901, a guy named Harry Johnston was the one that actually found the first scientific specimen. In 1901 was the one that was described by science. So wow. it's crazy to think that like an animal that yeah. And then you get to name it after yourself. So, you know, next time you discover a species, Jenna, you... Yeah. you <laughs> That's a scientific name. That's a scientific John name. Stoney, yeah. John Stoney, okay. yeah. That's a goal of mine. Yeah. <laughs> to, to discover Your a species. Your legacy. Crazy. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, in that time period, it was called the African Unicorn, because they didn't even That's believe that name. it was real. So, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Wow. Crazy. I like it. Yeah. Jenna, you were spot I on know. today. Wow. Killing That's the best it. I might have we're ever done with years. Props to both of you guys today. That's awesome. Well, do we have anything else for Renee while we got her here? We just have our final question, Renee. What can I do? What can I How do? How can I be a better steward of the earth? What, what's... Well, um... I think that's different for everyone, mm -hmm. Jenna. That's a deep question. But uh, for, for me and my family, one of the things that I really enjoy as a hobby is foraging. I think that's an awesome hobby. I don't know anyone else with that hobby. I don't know. There's, there's a couple yeah. around the zoo. Well, I believe yeah. it. I just don't, I didn't know about it or I don't know them. Yeah. Yeah, will you tell us a little bit yeah, about we... it? Yeah. Okay, so um, foraging, so there's, you know, uh, to get started, because nobody needs to die. Um, so you're going out and you're looking for uh, <laughs> things that are edible, that are right in your front yard Sounds or backyard. Sounds risky. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, okay. So there are so many, okay, social media, all right? So you can become a brain surgeon from YouTube, right? <laughs> so <laughs> you can learn... You can learn some foraging skills, and there's forays out there that you can go with somebody that really knows what they're doing, okay. and they can point things out so you can see it with your own eyes, feel it, touch it, all those things. Um, there's Facebook groups, all of that. There's books, tons of books, and if you really start looking, you'll find all sorts of plants that grow all around us that have either medicinal properties or are just yummy to eat. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And anybody can get started with it super easy and super fun for kids. Um, and you just have to, you know, kind of make sure that, like what I do with my kids, because my two younger are special needs, so I make extra sure that uh, they bring anything to me mm. so I can double check yes. <laughs> uh, what they're having. But they're super simple, easy ones that you, no worries whatsoever. So you've got your good old dandelions. Okay. Okay. I could do so, that one. Yeah. I can get dandelions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got the the flower, the um, 
the greens, early greens, because when they're older dandelions, they're yucky. Okay. Uh, and very bitter. The root is even a coffee substitute if really? you're really hard up. I've not heard that before. <laughs> Interesting. What are, are you making tea, or what are you doing with dandelions? Um, I don't personally dig up dandelion okay. roots, but I know I could yes. if I okay. needed to. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so knowledge is power, yes. right? That's right. So, uh, you know, spring's coming, right? Uh-huh. So some of the early things you can be looking for, uh, well, dandelions will come a little bit later, but um, those really pretty violets that come up, those little purple violets in the yard. Flowers edible. Um, the uh, uh, redbud trees, the oh, little nice. flowers that come on, completely edible and sweet. Huh. Uh, forsythia, uh, those pretty yellow flowers that come out on, like, people have them in hedges, mm-hmm. you know, and then the leaves will come out later. Uh, edible. Uh, chickweed is, um, you know, sort of like a, it's a green it's one of the first greens that come out, um, and it tastes really good, and it's packed full of nutrients. And, you know, a lot of the weeds uh, that we have here, they were actually food items that were brought. So these were really early things that would grow well and sustained early settlers that we've just forgotten about. Yeah, that makes sense. And then we spray them with weed killer. (laughs) So, (laughs) which I don't do at my Mm -hmm. house because we forage in our yard, you know, in those tall chunks of uh, annoying grass that smell like onion. Oh, yeah. Those are chives. Yeah. So get out and, you know, trim some, put them on your salads, put those pretty flowers on your salads. Um, You know, it's it's a cool thing to do. If you're doing it in your yard, you're going to see a transformation. Just stop stop spraying stuff. Um, the bees will be there. Um, the, the, the deer will be there because it's not monoculture. Mm-hmm. You know, we've gotten into a monoculture uh, yard sort of thing, yeah. just grass. Yeah. You know, it's not the way it's meant to be. You have all these different things going on, and it's so much better for the wildlife. It's better for us. Mm-hmm. Um, there's so many benefits to all that so yeah and it's just fun yeah that's a unique one i love it you learn more about like wildlife around you because then you start to identify them Mm -hmm. and get out in nature and you can feed yourself you can feed yourself yes yeah that's very cool i'm all in for this i've never taken part in foraging and now i'm like i'm gonna go do some research at home this sounds awesome Well, thank you so much for coming and telling us about the Okapi. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, sorry you had to miss the goat hoof trip. (laughs) I know. Well, you know, it will come again. We do it all the time. So lots of goats up there and lots of little feet that need to be taken care of. But they're in good hands with Teresa. Yes, definitely. Yeah, thanks to you and your whole team for all the great work you do. Not just the Okapi, but all your animals over at the Vell. Definitely love to see it. I'm excited. I'm waiting for springtime, waiting for the baby to get out on the habitat. I'm excited to see it. (laughs) Awesome. All right. Thanks, everyone. Have a great day. Until next time.